One thing that I wanted to ask you about, Brandon, because I think that a lot of us um, in technology have kind of felt this at one point in time or another, but the feeling of being isolated um, and I think that's that's also a regional feeling, right? Like depending on where you are in the U.S. and what tech company you work with, um, you may feel that uh, you you may feel like you've never felt isolated at work, or sometimes you may feel like it happens pretty often. But feeling isolated, um, just feeling as though you might be the only person of color in the room, the only black person in the room, and whatever pressures or stress that comes with that. Uh, do you have any experience with that? Have you felt isolated at any point? And do you have any advice for anybody who does feel like that? Um, I'll say so. You know, I've had an opportunity and, and very fortunate, very blessed to, you know, have numerous experiences. Right. So, you know, from freshman year up until I graduated, I was able to spend time at a different company. And I can guarantee you that every single company I was at, I was one of very few. African-Americans, if not the only intern during that cohort, um, but even some of the full-timers, right? Very few. Um, and so when I would find them, you know, the relationship would probably kick in very quickly um, or either I would, you know, join the, the ERG or whatever I could just to, you know, have that uh, bond. And I, I'll, I'll circle back to those in a minute because that's actually going to be part of the answer. But, um, you know, I don't know if I, the, the feeling ever stood out to me a whole lot. Um, I, and this is just kind of who I am in the fact that, you know, I've always been in a place physically, but might be somewhere else mentally anyway. Um, you know, for me, I've, you know, once I left, when I, once I went to college, I was away from family. And so, you know, the relationship was at that point distant to the family. So for me, I'm thinking about family or I'm thinking about uh, friends or folks who aren't at that place in that specific time. And so in my mind, it's always been, you know, distant relationships anyway. And so, Although I might be the only person of of uh, of of my culture or my race in a different a particular space, I've always been able to think about where I'm coming from or the people who I left or who I'm still connected with at a distance. And so I've been able to kind of you know sit with that stuff a little bit better than probably most. But you know, for folks who are going through that and and it's probably hitting them a little bit more mentally and it's probably draining them because of how much it's hitting them mentally. You know, one of the very first things that I would have done and what I do do when I join a new company is figure out where the network is in that company of people like me. Um, and so, you know, I, I can't remember it at the first companies I was at, but when I was with um, Apple, when I was with Microsoft and even with the current organization I'm, I'm with, it's a little bit different. But, you know, I immediately found the black ERG or something of that nature and started either volunteering or being engaged with that group so that I could have that sense of community within the company. Um, and that immediately kind of takes away from the original vibe of being alone, for me at least. Um, because now it's like, wow, am I really at work or am I back at my hometown with some of my homies, right? So people I can relate to um, because they're all going through the same thing too. And so having having someone that can relate to you just makes it a complete difference. Um, and for some people, you know, they may not be interested in that, but I'd say give it a try because just having that experience alone, it will probably change your whole perspective on it. Do you think you mentioned kind of feeling um, pretty secure in knowing uh, yourself, knowing about like uh, the love that you share with with uh, black people like you 
and um, never really you can be in the physical location, but never really fearing the paranoia of feeling like um, this is the absolute. This is the truth. Um, there's nothing else out there. Do you feel like graduating from an HBCU played a big role in that? Right. Because graduating from HBCU, we both have that in common, but um, you get to see black people in all different spheres all different roles, all different responsibilities. And it gives you kind of this well-rounded pers uh, perspective on uh, the type of impact that we can make no matter where we go. And in my opinion, um, graduating from an HBCU has definitely like built my sense of confidence and my sense of self-worth because you know, for four years, I was surrounded by Black excellence. I was surrounded by Black people who um, were super passionate, super ambitious. Do you right. feel like graduating from an HBCU played a big role in that sense of self-worth? I, I think so. Um, part of it definitely is who I am personally, but I do think having that experience does change the perspective in a completely different way. Um, and I can say that because I have peers who didn't go that route specifically, and I can see there's a major difference in how they experience corporate America and how they are going through postgraduate life because of that different collegiate experience. Um, that and also going back to grade school, for me, I, I grew up in uh, Black County in Georgia, and so I've always been around Black people. Um, so, I, you know, I, I can see, I know what, you know, someone at the very bottom and someone at the very top looks like, even within my own community, because I've been able to grow up with that. Um, so I, I think that helps a lot too, knowing where I came from personally and knowing where I can go. Um, and that along with the whole HBC experience, it just, it just puts you in a different mindset altogether. Yeah, man, you hit it on the head. I, I love what you said when you said like seeing people at the top and seeing people at the bottom, because that spectrum, seeing that, 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 that visibility that you have to that, it lets you know that like, listen, no matter what particular tier I'm in right now. I know that there's always mobility. I know that there's always options to move throughout that spectrum. So, Definitely. so yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome, dude. Um, next question for you. I want to get into some of the long software uh, building with your wife. I think this is so awesome, man. So <laughs> how important was it for you to build, to start a business, but to make it a family business and to do it with your wife? How important was that for you? Yeah, so it, it's funny, um, you know, I think about a month ago, Sierra, um, for those that don't know who are listening, that's my wife. She she brought up this screenshot that I sent her when we were dating uh, about three years ago, and it was like my five, 10-year plan or whatever. And, you know, one of the things in that plan was to start a business. Um, and I didn't necessarily blatantly say it had to be a family business, but for me, I do, you know, something that I've always wanted is to have some sort of a legacy that I can pass on. And if not pass on, that our children can go build upon and create their own um, and set them up in a way that they don't have to struggle. And so um, when she showed me that, it's, it was funny because I'm like, you know, this some of these goals were so much further out at that time. It's amazing to see them happening so much sooner. Um, and a lot of that is due to, you know, being with someone who is equally yoked, you know, has just as much knowledge as I do it in different areas. And, and that makes it so much easier to create much earlier. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't know if I, I ventured too far from the question, but I, th I think all of that has just kind of worked itself out in, in a great way. And God has just been looking out from the very beginning that it, it's amazing to see 
you know, seeing that screenshot, and I'm like, wow, this this wasn't supposed to happen, at least in my mind. And so, like, <laughs> you know, like 30 years old or 28 years old or something, it's amazing to see. Man, and and what's so cool is that uh, you're both engineers. You both have STEM backgrounds. Um, and you, I remember when we talked, you said that you guys both found out what your role is in the business um, and where maybe there's some overlap, but where there are those those differences in responsibilities. Um, do you think that that's really important, especially when you're trying to do something with like your significant other, maybe even your wife or your husband um, to really like outline what the roles and responsibilities are so no one steps on each other's toes? Um, I don't know if it's it's a necessary requirement to outline that specifically. I think it's definitely helpful so that you know who's going to be doing what. Um, but even, you know, since it's just she and I who are actual members of the organization, I think that allows for an opportunity to have overlap and to, you know, say, hey, I can do this or hey, it's OK, I can handle that for you um, just because it is, you know, just us. Um, so I don't, I don't think it's necessary that you have to say, Hey, I'm only going to do this, or this is specifically my role. But, you know, for us, we just joke all the time. Like, you know, she, she's the, what the COO, the CIO, the CMO, all the above. Right. You know, for me, yeah, I, this was something that I, I had dreamed of a while ago. So definitely for me, the role was, was to be a CEO, but CTO is as a, as a software engineer is, is practically what I do. And, and Sierra being a industrial systems engineering, she can do anything, right? You know, that people, you know, students with that degree, they have so much breadth of knowledge that all they need is to just pick the task up and they can probably become an expert very quickly um, just because of how they are trained in their degree program to just be ready for anything. Um, so I think it just works out really well for, for how we are and where we, our experiences um, sit. Okay, so in a, in a full, in full transparency, um, I've had panic attacks. This is complete a complete shift. There was no smooth segue <laughs> at all. I've had I've had panic attacks at work before. I've felt anxiety at work before, and I've kind of just felt the pressure um, of feeling imposter syndrome at work mm -hmm. before. Um, and for those who are listening and may not be as familiar, imposter syndrome is kind of the feeling that you feel in some way, shape or form, the roof is going to collapse on you, that you're going to be found out that you don't belong or uh, right. or you don't feel confident enough that your skills, um, uh, you know, you felt like it was it was some lucky some lucky break instead of your natural ability. And mm -hmm. so um, I outgrew those things. And right. over time, I started to gain more confidence in myself. I started to uh, handle more responsibilities at work. And that kind of built my confidence a lot more. Um, and now things like that feel like distant memories of the past. But I want to ask you, at any point in your career, did you feel anxiety? Did you feel any type of nervousness going into work or just any nervousness with some of the responsibilities you were given? Uh, I have to be honest, not really, you know, for me, <laughs> I have to be honest, right? So I, and this is just, again, like going back to the very, the other, other topic we had, it's more so who I am and my personality, right? You know, for me, at the end of the day, getting the job was what got me nervous in <laughs> the interview. And so once I'm there, it's like, I know I'm going to do what I can do, what I have to do to make sure I excel. And so the nerves are no longer there at that point. Once I got past that interview, it's like, oh, I can do this. You know, that wasn't a mistake. That wasn't luck. It, it was definitely a blessing from God, but 
I know for sure that he put me here because I, I can do this. And so I, I can't say that I necessarily have had that anxiety in the workplace, but definitely leading up to it, it was definitely, you know, as I was interviewing and I tell the story all the time, like my junior year, I interviewed for like 20 plus companies. Um, there was definitely a lot of, a lot of like, you know, stress and, and worry, like, you know, what am I going to do? Is, am I going to get the offer or whatever? Um, especially when you get those rejections. But for me, yeah, when, once I got in, it was like, you know, I got here and that means I have the capability and the experience and the knowledge to to do well and to thrive. And so it's hard it's hard for me to to have that, you know, relation for people that have that experience. But I do know a lot of them that do. Um, And so if if we shift that conversation a bit, I can definitely, you know, share some probably some words of wisdom or some ideas and thoughts that I have for people that experience that. But to your original. Yeah. So, I mean, as uh, as common as it sounds, right. Therapy. You know, a lot of us, we sleep on the idea of therapy because, you know, we didn't grow up that way or, you know, we don't think it's going to actually work. But just having someone to talk to. And I know this for for for, you know, out of realness, because I live with someone who has to go through that. And so um, just taking the time to to devote yourself to getting some therapy will make all the difference. Um, you know, especially for those of us who are in the engineering or in the tech space, um, a lot of us already have the coverage for it. You know, the, the insurance is there. All we need to do is just take that step and utilize that to get the help that we need to um, to, to release some of that stress from us. Um, you know, going back and spending time with family, that's another big one. Um, and th- this I have a like a whole like presentation that I typically would do to college students in general about like choosing the right company for you. And one of the things that is brought up is location. And because a lot of these jobs are far from our family, we don't get to spend time with them. Um, but you won't realize, but taking that time out to go visit and spend time with your family actually will help with a lot of that anxiety and that stress of going into the office and being the only person around you and having that imposter syndrome. So I think those two alone would or would be my two biggest pieces of advice for pe- people that experience them. Man. Yeah, you still were able to drop some gems. <laughs> you, you, started off, you, started, you started off, you were like, man, I'm built like steel. But just in case, I still got some stuff for you. I love yeah, it. I, I, I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. I wanted to talk about um, the different roles in tech because I think it's really important for uh, our listenership um, to understand that, like, you can bring different skill sets to technology. You can bring um, different different capabilities to work, uh, and you don't necessarily have to be infatuated with uh, coding or mm-hmm. or building software. Um, you can be a uh, product manager. You can be a recruiter. You can be a business analyst, uh, UX UI. There mm-hmm. there's a ton of different um, there's a ton of different roles that can be filled, and so. My question to you would be, uh, what advice would you have for anybody who feels as though, man, I want to get in tech, but I'm just not as fascinated with coding. Like, mm-hmm. I, I I don't necessarily know what to do next, but I, I'd love the idea of getting involved in technology. Right, right. I think it first starts, you know, look at what you're passionate about, right? And, and a lot of people, they have so many other different passions that they don't realize that it actually has a place in technology, um, whether it's, you know, working or talking to people all day, right? That's a client side of technology, or it's, you know, marketing, 
every every software needs marketing or it's managing money and finance um you know or it's the the managing people the project product management product project management there, there's so many roles in a company that deals with software that you need everyone and it's all the way down to people who work and, and cook you need you need chefs you need <laughs> you need everything and and um I, I think people look at software like you said just i mean look at tech companies purely as a mobile app or as a website and they don't look at it as a business and they forget that all of that exists um and when you look at all these big companies they're hiring for all of these roles and you know definitely the pay varies but a lot of the pay a lot of the the roles that you're doing in other places and, and smaller organizations, they're the exact same, but they're also paying more. Um, and so I think a lot of people just, they, again, start with your passion, start with your passion and look for different ways that you can apply that to technology or to a company that produces technology. And you'll be surprised at what you can find or how you can fit into that organization or how you can fit into the, um, the area of technology in general. What has been one of your favorite moments in your uh, in your tech career? Favorite moments? Uh, it has to be my senior year when I, there was this uh, competition in California, and it was a what we call a hackathon in the tech world. Basically, you get together with a group of students or uh, or engineers, and you take anywhere between maybe twenty four to forty eight hours to just create something. Um, and that something can be very vague or it can be very specific to the competition and who's hosting it. Um, this, this, in, this particular event was hosted by Black Enterprise and it happens annually in California. And every year they bring in four students from HBCUs and um, they increase the number of schools every year. And this particular year was A&T's second year going. I had went with A&T the year before, so this is my second year going. And myself and three other engineers from the computer science department won first place for the second year in a row. Nice. And we won $40,000. Yeah. So as, as a student, it was like, yo, this is crazy. Um, yeah. And we, we, uh, <laughs> we put together this uh, mobile app called Tasha, which was a... Um, a, uh, a voice assistant slash, you know, mobile app for people looking to go buy cars at Toyota. Toyota was the big sponsor. And we had a little hint of like, you know, virtual reality, augmented reality, all types of stuff. And we just, you know, what really sold it for the crowd was how we presented it, how we pitched it and um, the idea itself. I don't know if they are, you know, building it today at Toyota, but I think it was a really dope project. Um, and I, I think that was probably one of the biggest moments um, that I can immediately remember, like as a as a uh, engineer today, that I will always tell people about, just because the experience was was so dope and so amazing. Um, especially being that it was an event for HBCU students in the middle of Silicon Valley, um, so it, it was dope. So if Toyota ever announces Tasha, we should get in contact <laughs> with you and try to figure out what's going on, huh? <laughs> right. I, I, need a, I need a piece of that uh, that patch. Yeah, <laughs> I need, need something. To make sure that if you text or cut. <laughs> no, but that's awesome. I remember you. I remember you told me that when I uh, when I met you during the internship and everything. So yeah, that's that's actually super exciting, um, Brandon. You've just you kind of it feels like when it comes to a tech career, you've kind of experienced man just about all aspects of it. Uh, you're even starting your own business. My question to you, Brandon, 
Is there anything that you wish that you would have done? Anything that you're like, man, I, I really wish that I would have accomplished that or did that. Or do you so just live with no regrets? <laughs> you knock it all out. So wishing that I did something is not a regret. I'll, 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 I'll start with that. But I do wish that as a student, I took time to study abroad, um, you know, to get that experience. I have so many peers who I, I just lived through their social media presence as they, you know, traveled and interned or studied abroad in other countries. Um, and I think that was an experience that as a computer scientist, I didn't really look at as much. Um, especially because I'm like, you know, focused on getting these credits and I'm like, well, how will studying abroad apply to my degree and things like that? But I would look back and, and now say like, you know, I wish little younger Brandon did that. And now I'm like telling other students, if you get the opportunity, go study abroad, just take a semester. It's okay. You know, there's no such thing as graduating late if you're focused and, you know, working towards your degree. So that's something that I, I would have definitely took some time to do if I would have, you know, thought about it differently at the time. Before we wrap things up, uh, I wanted to talk more about the transition, right? We talked about being a consumer and a producer and a uh, consumer. Yes. And a producer. And um, my notes actually are the transition from consumer to producer. You actually made a really interesting point about being both. But I wanted to run through these steps that I found online with you. And I mm -hmm. wanted to get your opinion on how valid you felt like these steps were. So step number one was to practice awareness and to question every decision. It says that making the switch to a producer starts with acknowledging that everything around you was created by someone who took a chance. Step number two is to process information actively. So it says producers look for, uh, look for ways on how information will change their life. Everyone starts with consuming information, but the intention should be to start producing with the information that you've consumed as soon as possible. And step number three is action. It says you have to be willing to sit down and start creating. It does not have to be perfect. All you need is a vision and know what you and, and what you want to create. And so I'll run through those steps one more time. It was to practice awareness, to actively process information, and then to take action. How valid do you feel like that is? And would you actually throw anything else in there? I think that's pretty, pretty accurate, right? Um, you know, even looking at how long software has kind of happened, you know, as a student, I'm definitely a consumer, right? I have no idea what's going on. I don't know how technology works. And I'm just listening to these lectures or I'm using mobile apps, using software and getting into that transitioning period. I think well, that's the portion of becoming an engineer or a creator or a producer you're starting to observe and look at things a little bit differently than just someone who uses technology, you know, that, that happened for me. And I, so I, I definitely agree with these, these statements of, you know, these three bullet points broken down, you know, very clearly and in the journey of becoming a producer. Um, I think in, in more, this is more so like just an observance of how people in general go through these steps. A lot of us, stop at step three you know we don't get to that just just starting and just trying something and you know i think maybe the step two and a half that some people need are that motivation and that's just making sure you have your why you know what's going to push you to build this or to create this and for a lot of people that's either it's either they're the generation behind them or just the generator in front of them and so you know whatever it is for you 
find your why, hone in on it, and make sure you're using that to motivate yourself to get that step three done. Because, you know, like I said, when people fall off at step two, nothing happens at that point. It all just, you know, we just get back into that cycle, that endless infinite loop of being a consumer and not a producer. Dude, it's me and you share the exact same brain, dude, because I put number four, <laughs> I made my own bullet point. I said, number four, you have to know what your inspiration is and you have yeah. to continue. You have to keep your motivation. You have to find yeah. that thing that can keep you motivated and, and to keep you hungry. So going back to these points, Brandon, how do you stay sharp? How do you uh, how do you stay in the know? Do you follow like tech blogs, tech news, or is it just kind of word of mouth? You just have conversations with people to kind of know what's going on. Yeah. So, you know, over the over the years from college all the way to now, somehow, some way I've ended up in like 50 different group me's, you know, and we got the social media fees and then all that together. Plus, you know, one of the apps I mentioned as one of my favorites, Smart News, um, every information is being shared everywhere. Right. And so for me, I, I tell this to people all the time. I'm the type of person that it's really hard for me to read books and lots of lots of text. And so I get a lot of information from really quick blurbs. And so over the years, I find myself learning more from popping into these different networks or these different groups or these different news articles and just grabbing bits and pieces and piecing them together over time um, and then taking them and applying them to whatever I'm working on right now. Um, so if I'm working on a mobile app, you know, and I see this article about you know, this new tech stack or this new API or whatever, um, I immediately look at how can I integrate that into what I'm doing right now. And then it just becomes this endless cycle of learning something whenever it pops up. And so I try to do that just so I can, you know, one, stay up to date what's happening in the tech community. It's very difficult because there is so many or there are so many different things that are happening. But I think that's probably the best way that I've been able to, you know, learn about the latest technologies and, and also, you know, start practicing and utilizing them. I think you hit it spot on. So for anyone who's listening, who's like, okay, I'm going to take that advice and run with it. I think you have to narrow down the focus, right? Like you have to find subcategories within subcategories to start with, right? Like you can start with, um, you can start with artificial intelligence or machine learning, or you can start with virtual reality. You can start with those sub those categories, um, but then you may even want to get a little deeper and go to some more subcategories within that because uh, just those broad umbrellas themselves can be kind of overwhelming, right? Definitely, for sure. And a lot of people, they a lot of students, they'll reach out to me and and they'll ask me questions like, you know, how do you find where you want to focus in technology or, you know, how do I decide if I should be machine learning AI? I'll be honest, as a student, especially undergraduate, that's not something you have to figure out, right? You know, and, and this is for someone that's listening or who's just getting started out to, you know, just understand how technology works first. And then as you're learning, as you're experiencing, you'll, you'll, you'll quickly figure out what you really enjoy the most. And especially when you're going into full time, nine out of 10, they want you to be very open-ended anyway. And then as you get into different teams and different parts of an organization, you'll start to get a feel for either front end or back end or from mobile or web or um, operating systems, things like that. All that happens through experiences. You know, you don't just start 
learning how to code and immediately say, oh, I think I want to focus on machine learning. It just, it happens from your experiences. Um, you know, th that, that's probably some of the, the biggest advice I end up having to give the students who are trying to, you know, be very specific as a freshman or as a sophomore when it, that's kind of early. You know, there's this analogy that uh, stuck with me when I first interned uh, at my current job. Um, one of my tech leads, he, he explained um, he said, you know, the world of technology is kind of like being on a uh, like on a new planet where mm -hmm. the planet is uh, is covered in candles. This is it's, his description was hilarious, <laughs> but it actually just stuck with me. The planet is covered in candles and but it's pitch black on the planet. You have the only lit candle. And so as you're making progress, you're starting to light more candles, you're starting to lighten up the world and it's starting to make more sense and become more clear to you over time. But that mm -hmm. that's only going to come with time. And so like as you start to continue to evolve in your in your technology career, you'll open up more, you'll learn more, more things will start to become obvious. I know I can mm -hmm. speak to that where even sometimes even things that like completely did not make sense to me uh, three years ago. I'm just now kind of understanding uh, not only what it means, but why it exists, right? right. And why right. was that decision made? And uh, why is that decision important for people to understand? Or why is that the best... Um, why is that the best choice whenever we are supposed to choose different technologies or whatever to use? And so I wanted to share that because I think that as roundabout as it kind of sounds, I think that that actually is a pretty good description of starting fresh in technology and then making your way around like you're slowly lighting the candles, you're slowly bringing light to this whole new world that you're on. Yeah, yeah, I, th I think that's a perfect way to explain it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it stuck with me, dude. Um, so Brandon, we, we've had you and uh, you've been fantastic, man. Uh, definitely I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm impressed. I'm like, man, right after we're done, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to listen to this again, just so I can take notes <laughs> for myself. But um, here at the Thousand Miles of Melanin podcast, uh, our focus is um, to encourage all of our listeners, all of our travelers to uh, just get started one step at a time. That's our motto. Uh, just get started one step at a time and to take action kind of like uh, how you implied earlier. So what last nugget of advice would you give for anybody who just needs that last push to go from step two to step three, take the knowledge that they have and implement action? Hmm. I'll, 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 my last nugget is going to be this quote that is uh, actually on my personal website. And it's from Nelson Mandela and it reads, education is the most powerful weapon which you can use to change the world. And whether that be education you learn in school, on your own, while you're in quarantine, whatever, take that to heart and realize that you have the power to change your environment and what you're experiencing today. Hmm. That's Brandon Long for you folks. <laughs> the goat, the goat himself. Um, Brandon, last two points. What's next for you? And then where can they get in contact with you if, if uh, someone would like to reach out? Yeah. So what's next? Uh, long software, right? So we just launched it very recently. We've got a mobile app that's currently in development as well as an app that's already in the marketplace getting revamped from the ground up. So definitely you can always check us out at longsoftware.io. You can always reach out to me there. I'm also available on Instagram at Brandon L. Long underscore LinkedIn, Facebook, all of the above Brandon Long.
Thank you for having me. All right, folks, that was Brandon Long. This has been the Thousand Miles of Melanin. And as you take your travels through your thousand miles, remember, take it one step at a time.